You're listening to episode 215 of the Mad Chatters podcast, February 20th, 2019. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name is Derek, and joining me today is my co-host, Jeremy. Hey, happy President's Day as we're recording, and if you're listening, two days ago. We, we haven't quite reached Washington's actual birthday yet. Oh, well, happy future birthday, George Washington's going home. And also joining us this week, original Mad Chatter is back with us. Hey, Matthew. Well, hello. <laughs> Someone in the background <laughs> is so excited to have Matt with us again. That's uh, that's a former uh, uh, guest on the Mad Chatter's podcast, Zach, uh, in the other room. <laughs> oh, I see. Because oh, there's no one at my house but my <laughs> wife and child. <laughs> All right, well, we are all back together, and we're going to be talking about one of our favorite things to talk about, and that's food, but that's a little bit later. For now, we're going to start with a round of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, Matt, this was your idea. I don't know if you remember. Do you want to explain what we're talking about today i do remember giving you that idea and i remember that there was uh some amount of chaos <laughs> that ensued trying to explain it uh it seemed very obvious to me the idea that i gave was attraction entrances mm -hmm. and by that i did not mean attraction signs i meant the actual portal into the attraction itself it, signs included so uh, scenery, theming, music, signage, all the above. Yeah, I like it. So the good, the bad, and the ugly is where we take a certain aspect of the parks, like, for instance, attraction entrances, and we're each going to pick one good version of that, one bad, which doesn't mean bad, but just means it could use some improvement, and then one ugly, which means, as far as we're concerned, it can go-go. So, Jeremy, what's your pick for the good attraction entrance? My pick for the good is Dumbo. Um, ah. I like the entrance of that one. The signage is, is beautiful. Um, I love that Timothy Q. Mouse is there. It's very ornate and gaudy, but I think it works with that circus theming. Um, the colors really pop, the red and the gold. And then, you know, it's kind of set against the backdrop of the circus tent, which is wonderful. Okay. I will agree with that. It's like, it's minimalist. It's minimalist, but in like, in like a Liberace kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> so Dino. <laughs> uh, okay, so my pick is not necessarily my favorite in Walt Disney World, but we never say good things about this attraction. And I do feel like this is one thing it does well. So I'm going to give a shout out to Mission Space. 
I do actually really like the moving planet out front. I love all the curvature of the building, of the sign. Everything has like that sleek, futuristic outer space feel to it. And so that is my pick. That is really okay. the nicest thing we've ever said about that. I know, I know. And like I said, it's probably not my favorite, but it's up there because I do think, especially it, it photographs well. I see really cool pictures of it that make it look like a space attraction. Just and, and it is like it tells you what it is just by looking at the entrance. It photographs so well that Kelly Clarkson sang in front of it. That's <laughs> true. Uh, mine is the Tower of Terror. I don't know where you actually want to say that the attraction entrance is. So let's just say it starts when you get to that tower where the uh, the restrooms are. Because <laughs> I believe when you turn that corner, you know, and you've seen the Tower of Terror, that's kind of where the entrance begins. But especially the big iron gate. And of course, the sign we've talked about in the past being wonderful. But that, that big iron gate that, you know, is very foreboding and a little rusty and old and looks like someone has just pried it open and it just leads into this beautiful mysterious garden so i like that and then you can hear the music uh already that's my good i love about the entrance that when you're actually standing there you see the slope upwards but then it kind of turns a corner and you can't quite see where you're going like you're walking into the unknown really you can't see the lobby obviously you can't even see the fountain or any of that you just see this path sort of lead off into who knows where and that kind of adds to the spooky element yeah of course it's better when it's dark and when they actually have the um, misting machines going in the garden i always love too that weird angel statue that's kind of like off in the yard that you can't really see unless you're kind of looking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels like it feels out of place because it's not like so prominent that your eye catches it. So you're almost like, is that supposed to be there? I like it. Okay. So now we're going to bad and bad does not mean bad. It means uh, not good <laughs> or bad. <laughs> it's fair. It's just fair. It's just, Yes. Um, so my bad is uh, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train entrance. Aww. And the reason why, I like the signage. I like the concept. But it, one, it is a terrible location. Um, yeah. Because it just is like right there in the middle of the pathway. It, it, is, it, is, uh, it is a Disneyland entrance. Mm. Where there's not really any kind of uh, foreplay or romance. You're just bam, right there. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, also, am I the only person that has the hardest time seeing the wait times? Because it's so, like, dimmed from the sunlight already. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that I, little thing they're using, it's not, like, actual... I don't know how to describe it, but, yeah, the, the glare tears it up. Yeah, I, I feel like... I mean, I got bad eyes, but I think they're really bad when I'm trying to see... I got to get up all on that thing before I can tell if it's 75 or 175. So anyways, I just think there could have been a lot more done with that entrance. I realized that they were a little limited with space, but, uh, you know, the potential was there. I can see that. Not a lot of fanfare. Obviously, the queue and the loading zone are great, but I I see what you mean about the entrance. Uh, My pick is over in Tomorrowland. It's the People Mover. I feel like there was a time 
when this entrance was sufficient because it never had a ton of riders. All you needed was a little sign above the uh, upward moving sidewalk and that was fine. But nowadays it always has a really long line and without fail, when I go over there, I always say, is this the line? Like, I don't yeah. know where it starts. It's so confusing. There's, again, it's it's the fanfare thing. It's like, am I in line for the Astro Orbiter? Am I in line for People Mover? What's happening? And I really feel like they could do a better job of saying, this is where the People Mover line begins. Well, they typically, they have one of those guys out there holding the signs, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse for you. That makes it worse <laughs> for me. Absolutely worse. I think I'd rather not know where the entrance is than to have somebody standing out there with that sign. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. They would have to build something at this point, but it's always very confusing. Agreed. Why is it so busy? Is it just because the parks are just so much more crowded? Why is that suddenly, un unless people listen to our podcast? And <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think social media has something to do with it, like word spreads, because people say, oh, I love that ride. It's a must-do every time. But I do think, in general, the parks are just more crowded nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I think the fanfare for things like the People Mover has caught on. And maybe you get spoiled by having so many fast passes all the time that when you don't have a fast pass, you're like, well, let's go ride the People Mover. That's always a short wait. Yeah. Not anymore. I mean, it's still short, but it's... You just don't expect there to be a line at all. And the fact that there always is one now is just surprising. True. My ugly is... I gotta do my bad. Oh, my bad. Sorry. My Listen, I'm not gonna come back on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. My bad is uh, living with the land. Ooh. And uh, I, I like that attraction, obviously talked about it a lot in the past but the uh the entrance um it just leaves a lot to be desired i don't mind the queue so much the queue's kind of it is what it is uh the whole entrance and and just the lackluster appeal of it kind of feels like you're getting in line at ryan's for like the to go pay <laughs> it totally does yeah yeah, uh, like you're gonna get your little dimpled red glasses to go get your soda. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wish there was a, some, a tree or something. The whole that whole lobby, of the new land pavilion, kind of feels a little sterile, and it shouldn't feel that way because it's the it's the land. I think it would make a huge difference if they closed off the queue to where you couldn't see it while just standing in the land pavilion, and they should make like a big tunnel. Or a big archway that you walk under, and then the queue is closed off. Yeah, that would be good if you. And then, uh, well, we can talk about queue ideas on a future show. But uh, there's lots of things they could do with the queue besides the old dated uh, quotes on the wall with the finger painting stuff going on. But I love that attraction, and that the, the, the track the attraction entrance just does not do it justice. I can see that. All right, Jeremy. Now, ugly. So my ugly is the flight of passage entrance. Um, first off, where is it? Like, you can't even find it anywhere. You're just kind of walking around hoping that you stumble into the attraction. Um, but then, it, to me, it looks like the old aluminum um, lawn chairs that you used to take with you to, like, uh, a softball game. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not making the connection with Flight of Passage. Like the well, way like a that... swing set. It looks like a swing set's been taken apart. Yeah, with like the vinyl pieces stretched between like the piping that like hangs over the entrance. <laughs> uh huh. Like I get it. Like we're in we're in Pandora and things are not on Earth. Uh, but come on, this is this is a bit much. And I get that you wanted to keep the entrance simple compared to the mountain that's around it. But I, it just feels very underwhelming. Yeah. Remember at one time they said there was not going to be any signage in the land. <laughs> and then really quickly they realized they were going to have to. I don't know if that extended to the signs for the attractions, but I know like directional signs, they weren't going to have those because you were just supposed to explore and all that. But Well, remember like all the... Um... All the cast members don't have normal Disney tag name tags because it's supposed to be. But they still have like the Disney bags, you know, like for sale. Like, come on. No, the the bags are Pandora bags. Oh, well, the other day somebody posted something that was like very obviously Disney. No, no, they have the new ones because it's like the the non-plastic bags. Oh, yeah. the, The recyclable ones. Okay, Yeah, you're right. But for until a couple weeks ago, they had special Pandora bags in Pandora. Hmm. Well, I'm just glad that the laws on Pandora are as progressive as they are here, and they're still <laughs> required to have fire exit signs and AEDs. <laughs> yes, thank goodness. Yeah, and it's crazy that Pandora switched to recyclable bags on the same day as Animal Kingdom back on Earth did. That was part of the yeah. Intergalactic Federation of... <laughs> oh, wow. Synergy. Greenness. Uh, my uglies also, I just said all of all of the Pandora attractions, well, the two main ones, the Navi River Journey and Flight of Passage there, but this, the Flight of Passage entrance caused a fight between my wife and I uh, on my daughter's birthday the last time we were there because I went ahead to try to get our fast passes uh, to use mine, and then she was going to come later and use hers, and she couldn't find it. <laughs> Oh, the entrance. The entrance. I think the I think the idea uh, just go. It just goes too far. Like at some point, you just got to say this is going to be a ride, and people are going to be looking for it. And I love Joe Rody, but it's this. It suffers from. It suffers from Hester and Hester's problems at this point. Like at some point, you don't have to worry about the realism so much, and just you know, people are going for the ride. The average person is going for the ride, not for the authentic feel of being lost on a foreign planet yeah (laughs) i'm gonna have to agree with you it looks like a group some sort of government group has shown up and has built this attraction and put a makeshift sign there which is what it's supposed to look like but that's what it ends up looking like say you're exactly right same with chester and hester it's supposed to look tacky okay but it it just looks tacky though Whether, (laughs) whether it's supposed to or not yep huh uh, my ugly is actually Spaceship Earth, and obviously I love that attraction. And I, th- I think the reason I'm picking it is because the entrance, compared to the structure itself, complete opposite. Like the structure is so grand, and well, and miraculous, <laughs> but really, <laughs> like, like it, it just draws the eye to it, and it's just this amazing feat. And then the entrance is that dinky little sign 
And then, which leads into those switchbacks that are just right outside for everyone to walk past and be able to see. And it's really lame. Switchbacks that were not necessary, by the way, until Fast Pass Plus. But whatever. True, true. But what if there was like this big tunnel, you know, almost like a, a Space Mountain type tunnel leading up to Spaceship Earth? I. It just seems like a more appropriate entrance to something that incredible. Well, maybe when they make it into a Black Panther roller coaster, we'll have a more <laughs> elongated entrance. Oh, crossing my fingers. All right, and now it's time for one of our favorite segments, Disney hashtags. This is when we throw out a hashtag that we have made up, and then we in turn provide some special tweets that go along with that hashtag. And of course, we encourage all of our listeners to get in on the fun later on this week. Uh, but today's hashtag is hashtag bad Disney sequels. This, of course, was inspired by the fact that this week we got not only a new Toy Story 4 teaser featuring Bo Peep, but also a brand new Frozen 2 teaser, which means two sequels, pretty big sequels, are coming out in 2019. Uh, but what if we got some really bad Disney sequels? I don't know. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Hashtag bad Disney sequels. Achoo. I'll start us. The Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, The Visit to Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh. She squeezed that thing out. <laughs> I was in Quasimodo's like, oh, I'm normal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fantasia, gangster rap. <laughs> Pocahontas 3, Chief Phillips goes to Washington. Mine was Crickets. Pocahontas. Uh, Pocahontas. Well, I guess three, since there was a two. You're right. Uh, Pocahontas three, the smallpox ec- epidemic. Oh no! <laughs> two lady, two tramp. <laughs> <laughs> Winnie the Pooh two. Oh, honey. <laughs> it's Henny, and it's H E N N Y. Oh, Henny. Uh, the Lion Queen, Simba's Identity Crisis. <laughs> oh. uh, the Jungle Book 2, The Cliff Notes. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was a thinker. It's it's a short, actually. It's not a fully fan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Brave 2, We Wants the Redhead. <laughs> Newsies 2, Rise of the Planet of the Papes. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? That's good. Does this mean you have like 15 and I only have five? <laughs> I have nine more. Nine? Oh, Lord. Well, go ahead and knock a few out. Okay. They're not all good. Well, I know. <laughs> Ratatouille 2, Pizza Rat. Remember him? <laughs> That's a callback. Yep. Honey, I vaccinated the kids. Controversial. Yeah. 
Um, Hocus Pocus 2 Basic Witches. <laughs> oh, man. The Shaggy Dog Who Shagged Me. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Matt. Uh, hi ho, Snow White's Colorado Adventure. So stupid. <laughs> that was really dumb. Um, this is my last one, by the way. Uh, Home on the Range 2, presented by Deluxe Burgers. <gasps> That's good. I had Home on the Range 2, medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a thinker, and it's so stupid. But you know all the Airbud sequels, like Golden... Retreat. No, wait, what is it? Airbud Golden Receiver. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Airbud Triple Sow Chow Chow. Because a triple <laughs> sow cow is a figure skating move and a chow chow is a type of dog. So it's a figure skating Airbud. Oh, okay. Aladdin. Here come the Crusades. Uh, this is more of a mashup than a sequel. Darby O'Gill and the Little People, Big World. Yep. Yours are very, uh, like, 2013. <laughs> 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 or earlier. Here's one that's a little... I don't know when this was. Like, 06, maybe? Monster Inc. under new management. Oh. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Alright, that's it. I got one more. It's the worst. All right. Treasure Planet 2. Because <laughs> no one wants to see that. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that is Disney hashtags. Hey, listeners, guess what? We have a giveaway. Thanks to Jeremy, who waited in. How long was the line you waited in? Uh, there was about no one in front of me. Whoa. Yeah. That surprises me. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of these still available. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but still, if you're not going to a Disney park soon, you would not be able to get this Disney Parks exclusive Funko Pop of Rainbow Unicorn from Inside Out. And we are going to be giving one away. And we thought it would be fun to let you get in on this Disney hashtag. So on Friday, look at our social media pages. Look at Twitter. Look at Facebook. We're going to post something about hashtag Disney, uh, bad Disney sequels. And send us your ideas. You know, comment on the status. Send your own tweet. Something like that. And we will pick one of our favorites to send this Funko Pop to. So look for that on Friday. What is that? February 22nd. Certainly. And you know, we'll give it a day or two to kind of let the uh, let the entries come in and then we'll randomly select our favorite. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, 
here is your host, Matt Cheddar Jimmy. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. It's good to see you again, and always good to be back for another Mad Cheddar game. And for this game, uh, uh, sound editor, maybe I could get the uh, the Prices Right theme playing because it's time for Disney Prices Right. So here's how the game's going to work. Uh, we're going to pit Matt versus Derek, uh, just like the good old days. And I am going to tell you a Disney item that has gone to auction. Well, most of them. Some of them are still have not sold on eBay. And uh, you have to tell me what the price was that this item was sold for. Understand? Closest to it uh, will win. But but um, we we're, we're not going to count if you go over. So it's just closest regardless. Okay. Oh, okay. So uh, you guys will write your answer after I give you a description of the item, and then we'll see who's closest. First up on the block, we have an original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves movie poster. That's right. This poster was one of the originals that was released for the movie's original 1937 theatrical release. It went to auction and it sold for how much? Derek, your answer. $950. $950. Matthew, your answer. <laughs> Matthew said ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Actual retail price on the auction block was twenty-seven thousand nine hundred and ninety-five dollars. <laughs> Holy! I think you're gonna say twenty-seven dollars for a second. <laughs> Holy that's cow! That's outrageous. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that is crazy. Matthew, you get this one. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Yay. This item has not yet sold, so it's still for sale on the auction block. If you would like to pay that price, that's the asking price they're going for. Oh, it's going to end up selling for more than I make in a year. That does, <laughs> that does check out. You can't. So. <laughs> you can't afford it. It's true. All right, next up for sale. This is a lovely item. It is the Golden Horseshoe review sign. From uh, the Golden Horseshoe Saloon out in Disneyland, which opened in 1955. Uh, this sign was uh, most likely used during the 1980s. Hand-painted for the longest-running show at Disneyland. All right, and I'll show you a picture just so you kind of can see it here. So all of our listeners can see it? Well, I mean, you know, they, they can Google but I feel like it could help you guys if you saw. Oh. Pepsi Cola presents. That's right. Mm. Yeah. It, Not it, no it, more, it, they don't. It's what you would expect it to be. All right. So, uh, Matthew, let's go with you this time. Your answer. By the way, this item sold in November of 2015 for this price. Matthew said $1,500, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> I and said Derek says four thousand. Four thousand dollars. Actual retail price forty-eight thousand eight hundred and seventy-five dollars. Oh so, my Derek. word! I need to like tr yeah, quadruple more than that. Every guess <laughs> I'm putting down. Holy cow! Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive. Disney fans be rich. 
<laughs> these these Disney fancy men. All right, our next uh, next item up for for uh, sale here on the auction block. This actually sold, uh, and it is a Pirates of the Caribbean original concept artwork drawn by animator and Imagineer Mark Davis himself. Whoa. Uh, this piece of concept art was ended up used um, in many guidebooks and postcards that were sold in the parks in the m- mid 1960s. It features two pirates seated on barrels, and there's like a raggedy-looking rooster next to them. Uh, here's a picture of it. Okay, so that scene was not used in the attraction. No, no, but this concept art was used to sell merchandise. Okay, I love looking at all those pieces he did, because he drew so many gags that were never used in the ride. Yeah, and uh, so this piece actually did sell at auction. I can't tell you the year, but it was within the last five years. And uh, we're going to see how much it sold for. So, Derek, you're up first. Oh, gosh. Uh, It always sells for more than I expect. I will say $2,000. $2,000, Matthew? I'll say $20,000. $20,000. Actual retail price? For the Mark Davis Pirates of the Caribbean concept art piece, $70,800. What? That's a small house. (laughs) For a sketch? (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) I mean, he's a Disney legend, but still. Yeah, you know, John Stamos has a lot of money, apparently, so. (laughs) Yeah. Our next item up for sale is a... uh, This is an original... It's a Small World audio animatronic doll from the 1964 World's Fair that eventually made its way to California and was in Disneyland for many, many years. Holy cow. I will show you a picture of the doll. It looks like the doll might have been one of the Dutch children um, because they're wearing what I think looks like the Dutch children's outfits. Matt, are you laughing at the way he's saying doll? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I am from the Midwest. Doll. There it is. Oh, I was not expecting that, like, shoved into my eyesight so quickly. <laughs> so, sorry. She's scary. <laughs> what was the background story on it again? Uh, this is one of the original dolls from the 1964 uh, New York World's Fair, and then eventually made its way to Disneyland. All right, so let's go with Derek. Your answer first, please. $400,000. $400,000, and Matthew, your choice? I'm going to say $100,000. All right, this doll went to auction and sold for $41,300. I said for (laughs) $40,000. So (laughs) Matthew gets the point on that one. Seriously? That didn't sell for as much as the concept art. That is an actual audio animatronic, people. Yes, agreed. So next up on the block is a Jungle Cruise riverboat sign. Now, this is the sign that goes on top of the boat as it is in operation. One of the 12 boats in the fleet. Um, It's kind of the long slender signs that says the names at the top. So this name is... Zambezi Miss. Are you all familiar with this one? Uh-huh. No, okay. So this... Uh, <laughs> Not that one in particular, no. This sold in um, 2011. 
and it is one of the uh, signs that was on the ni- in the 1980s. And here's a picture of it. Matthew, your guess? I'm going to say 10000 $10,000. Derek, your guess? I wrote down 11500 11500 <laughs> Actual retail value, $34,500. So, Derek, you get that point. Yeah, Congratulations. Um, that was close. Good job. Was it? <laughs> we were close to each other. <laughs> yeah. Is that the game? Because we're killing it. No, three more here. <laughs> These are Minnie and Mickey... Uh, mouse Charlotte Clark dolls. Now, if you're unfamiliar with these, as I was, Charlotte Clark was the original seamstress that made the Mickey and Minnie plushes back in the 1930s. You probably recognize them of the pictures of like Walt with all those Mickey plushes back in the day. Uh, she was the one that designed and made those. So they're very rare. Um, they're especially in this day and age. These uh, plushes in particular are 44 inches tall and 48 inches tall, and they're in good shape. Here's a picture of them. You'll recognize the scary-looking muzzles on each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, be- they go about... This man holding them, it goes from about the top of his head down below his belt. Kind of mid-thigh. Yeah. This is an original one of these? Yes, from the 1930s. And it's just one or the pair? It's the pair. We're going to go with Matthew first for his guess. We'll say 150000 All right. Derek? I said 111000 Actual retail value on the auction block? 151524 Good job. I win. I win the whole game. <laughs> if this was Price is Right, you would have won both showcases. That's right. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> and right. the Mickey and Minnie dowels. The yes. dowels, yes. I need some dowels for my paper towels and toilet paper and, and curtains. I hate both of you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Second to last. Two more, two more uh, items. This is an original Disneyland map and prospectus. You know, back in the 1940s when Walt first had the idea and into the 50s, he commissioned and collaborated with artist Herb Ryman to create these hand-painted concept maps that would be given to potential investors in Disneyland. And this is one of the few that has remained. It went to auction in 2012. And here's a picture of what that looked like. I'm not sure the size. Uh, Uh, I was was just about to ask. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but uh, it looks like it's pretty big to have that much detail in it. Huh. It makes me think of the Disneyland Hotel. Remember the lobby where there was that big old map of Disneyland that stretched from the floor to the ceiling? Yes. I don't know if it's that big, but uh, yeah, I get get (laughs) what you're saying. Okay. But these were the maps that Walt would have taken to like Bank of America or wherever to... uh, try to sell Disneyland and get investors in it. It's one of these maps. One of these maps, yes. There was many that were made, but this one survived through the years. And is in pretty good shape, from what I understand. Matthew, do you have a, your answer? Went first last time. Yeah, he did. 
Well, it's whoever loses goes first. Okay. I won last time. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay, my bad. Then, Derek, your answer? I said 350,000. Okay. Matt says 125,000. Yep. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, I actual retail price, $80,000. Man, I suck at this game. Matt gets the point on that one. I would have thought it would have gone for more. Yeah. I mean, to me, that should be worth more than most of the stuff you've talked about. I could see that, yeah. I could agree. Very true. I guess it would depend on the condition it's in as well. Like, if you saw it in person, it might not be as high quality as what you would think. True. All right, our final object, and this is still for sale on eBay. If anyone is interested, you can just Google this. So what we're going to go for is their starting asking price for the eBay auction. They, they have a buy it now feature as well, but we're not gonna go with that. This is the starting bid on the eBay. This couple in Florida is selling an original Walt Disney World Mark IV monorail car. Now this is the four, the, the excuse me, the front car that features the um, driving part as well as like the first two sections for passengers. Um, it was used in, the beginning of Walt Disney World and retired in 1989. It is monorail red. Uh, they claim it's in good condition, kept in their backyard. They're hoping to sell it, but they said it would be like something fun to convert into like an ex- like a, a extension of your house for like a bedroom or something in the backyard, like a clubhouse thing for your children. Um, my children, my butt's gonna get that monorail <laughs> if I buy that pick a clubhouse for my children so he said it's a mark four what mark are they on right now is it five yeah so we haven't come very far oh my gosh 1989 guys that was 30 years ago i can show you a picture really quick if you give me just a sec oh no we're on mark six. Oh, are we okay no wait but there is no mark five did mark five go to disneyland was, yeah, it went from Mark 4 to Mark 6. I think we've had Mark 6 since like 1992. <laughs> since 1989. Okay, so yeah, that's when this one was retired. Which makes sense because they retired Mark 4. Oh, on the monorail, they say it was completed in 1992. Yeah. So that's what it looks okay. like. Like I said, it's the it's the, the, the driver's compartment as well as like two passenger compartments are com- uh, com- Okay, so it stops at where like the accordion type thing is. Yes. Yes. That's not part of it. Okay, my word. How much would that be? I am going to guess $201,000. $201,000, Matthew? I'm going to guess $575,000. Whoa. (laughs) Matt says $575,000. Actual retail eBay big. One hundred and sixty-nine thousand dollars. What in the world? What's they, wrong with people? They have a buy it now, and it's like two hundred and forty thousand. So you can just not worry about other people's bids, but no one has bid on it. So, oh, don't tempt me now. <laughs> we may be selling T-shirts again to try and raise the funds. <laughs> Would you like a T-shirt? They are ten thousand dollars. <laughs> All right, uh, final scores here. Derek, you got three correct. And Matthew, coming back to the podcast and reclaiming the title, 
with five correct. Congratulations, yeah. Matt. I would just like to point out, we got zero correct. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, sometimes we were closer than the other person. Listen, uh, if one thing we have done on this game is just prove that we is Poe. oh (laughs) yeah all right take us out steve congratulations matthew you have won this cheddar game join us next time same cheddar focused same cheddar fun All right, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about some of our favorite counter service restaurants in Walt Disney World. You know, we always joke that we talk about food a lot, but I actually feel like we haven't done a made segment about food in a long time. And this week, we're coming back with a big one. We are going to list, as a group, our top 15 counter service restaurants in all of Walt Disney World. Uh, now, before we start, let me explain how we compiled this list. So we, you know, we thought about doing our top five each like we normally do, but we always end up having some of the same answers. And so, you know, we'll say, oh, well, I had that too. Let me just pick another one that didn't quite make my list. And so it's like, well, that's not really your top five then. What really are your favorites? Uh, and so what we did was we each compiled a list of our 10 favorites in order. And I used a scoring system, obviously gave more points to the ones that were higher on your list and fewer points to the ones that were lower on your list. And I came up with these 15 that we have in front of us. I think our top seven, each of us, our top seven made this list. Uh, So all of our number ones, for instance, are on the list, but the ones that made two or more lists are obviously higher than the other ones. And so they fell in this order. And to be honest, like I'm actually pretty pleased with this order. I would stand behind this list. If we, you know, if we sent this out to people and said, these are the Mad Chatter's top 15 restaurants, I think I would stand behind this. Yeah, I think so. It's a pretty uh, solid list. I don't think anyone's going to wince at it. I would rather stand adjacent to it. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. But since we do know already what the 15 restaurants are going to be, I guess that means before we start, we can get any honorable mentions out of the way. If you guys had any that we're not going to talk about, but you want to at least give a shout out to, do you have any like that? I know I do. Um, and that is, stay with me now. Don't, don't, don't turn off the podcast. <laughs> if <laughs> it's Pinocchio it. Village House, <laughs> I... No, no, no. It's um, Restaurantosaurus in Animal Kingdom. And the reason why I say it is because if you are looking for just normal theme park food, like a burger and fries, this is the best place for the best value. One, they have, I think, the only place I know of in the parks that has a combo meal on the quick service. So you get the burger, fries, 
drink and a brownie for like $15. And they have the toppings bar, so you can load that burger up. And they have the soda fountain machines in the dining room, so you get free refills. That's a bargain. <laughs> I would just say you pay for what you get at that restaurant. That is true, but I'm saying if you're looking for just a hamburger, and it's not a bad burger, if you're looking for a hamburger, which some people, that's what they want when they go to a theme park, and there's no nothing wrong with that per se, this is the best place to do that because you can you can kind of customize it and get the best bang for your buck in the whole park when it comes to hamburgers. I actually don't have any honorable mentions. I think my numbers 9 and 10 didn't make the list, but I'm okay with that. So what are they? Uh, <laughs> um, that would be honorable mentions. <laughs> I had to scroll down and look. Uh, my number five is Roaring Fork, which is at Wilderness Lodge. I genuinely love that place, and I also just love the quaintness of it, how small it is. Um, and then Be Our Guest was our my number ten. I, it's It's easy to discount it just because it's so hard to get in there and it's such a hassle but i mean if you're talking about good food i do think be our guest is up there for me but it's okay it didn't make our top 15 yeah i don't know what what fork was what was that roaring you know how all the deluxe deluxe resorts have their own quick service roaring fork is the one at wilderness lodge and it is famous for the magic cookie bar Oh, I yes. can honestly say I've, I've never been there. I've never been to this place. You should have come. I, I think you were working the night that we all park or resort hopped around Christmas time. Oh, yeah. yeah That's where that. we met. And they have good like wilderness type food. So think barbecue sandwiches <laughs> and freeze dried, freeze dried barbecue. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Acorns. I mean, like when you. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> When you, you know, it's like barbecue, and they have like turkey sand, a roast turkey sandwich, things like that. Ah, yes, down at the Roaring Firk. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, my honorable mention was the Backlot Express, which uh, caused some surprise that it made the list. But I think I've talked about it before on the show. In that, like Restaurantosaurus, it's pretty basic chicken tenders. And, except nowadays, they do all those little specialty Star Wars burgers there. No. Nope, they got rid of that, like, last week. Oh, well, I mean, but they've done it off and on in the past, right? For different things. Yeah, I mean, it's been Star Wars for a while, but now it's back to Backlot Burger. Well, yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, they... Um, they have the, the fountains and all the condiment things out there in the open for everyone. And, I, you know, when y'all, when I think Derek responded, like, really? Backlot Express? And I was like, yeah, it's not like the best food, but just that quintessential 90s MGM Studios vibe. I mean, it's one of the last remaining places there where that is, where that exists uh, in its fullness. True. All right, well, that does bring us to our list. So these are our picks for the best quick service restaurants in Walt Disney World. And I will start us off because number 15 on our list, I think, was only on my list. And that is Yak and Yeti Local Foods Cafe, which is basically the quick service arm of the restaurant Yak and Yeti. And I, I will say, I think this place has gotten better in the last few years. I always enjoyed it, but I think it's gotten a little bit 
bolder in some of the things it sells. We were there a few weeks ago with my family, and I noticed that they didn't just have the three items that you think of. They, they've kind of branched out a little bit. And this, it's basically like Chinese food, you know, your typical Chinese takeout. So it's got the sweet and sour chicken, the chicken fried rice, pork fried rice, things like that. Um, but the last few times I've been, the chicken has been very generous in its serving. I like the flavors a lot. And I, I mean, I can't even really think of another place on property where you can get this type of cuisine at a counter service place. Yeah, that's why I voted for this as well, um, because we had a tiebreaker situation and that is because it is unique only here can you find chinese food which kind of surprises me as popular as like no there's the lotus place it's terrible yeah. but the lotus place oh, that's, true, that's yeah. the thing like how is yak and yeti better at making chinese cuisine than the chinese restaurant in china i think they do it terribly they're out of protest like this yeah, is not too. what our this is not what our food's like <laughs> maybe so uh, anyways, yeah, no, this is good, though. And the thing I like about it is um, it has the outdoor seating, which is nice as well. Um, you know, you kind of can spread out and you get a little more of the uh, cultural aspect while you're eating your Americanized Chinese food in this nondescript Indian village. But, uh, you know, besides that, it works out. <laughs> Agreed. But we really like it. <laughs> no, we do. And this is so crazy, but I like... Um, the duck sauce. Have you guys ever had duck sauce? Yeah. It's like, like that. In general? Orangey. Yeah. You know, like like it comes in the orange packets and not yeah. all Chinese food or Chinese restaurants carry it. But I love it. Like I will drown some fried rice and some duck sauce. And uh, they have it here. At least the last time I ate there, they did. And they I need to, that down. They need to throw out some yum yum sauce and just watch <laughs> the cash flow in. Just real quick, some menu items from here. Uh, teriyaki beef bowl, honey sesame chicken, American Kobe cheeseburger, Asian chicken wrap, uh, and a vegetable tikka masala. That's new. I love tikka masala. Is that is that like the vegetarian option? Yeah, it's got garbanzo beans, zucchini, peppers, onions, and tomatoes in the creamy sauce. Ooh, I bet you that's good. And rib tips. St. Louis rib tips. Hey, you know that great Asian village, St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number 14 was one that made my list. And, and um, well, let me just say it first. Number 14 is Pecos Bill, Tall Tale Inn, and Cafe. It has been more of my favorite in the past than it is now. Because I used to love the burger they had there with the onion ring on it and the barbecue sauce. Now it's Tex-Mex with uh, tacos and fajitas and burritos and I forget what other nachos, taco salad and stuff. And it's not bad. It really tastes, it's, it's really good. I just think it lost a lot of its charm. I like Pecos Bill. It's, it's a, there's a lot of in the indoor seating. I like the theming. I just like the general vibe of the place, regardless of the food. Yeah, I agree. I think it's overpriced. Um, I think I got the fajita plate for like $14.99. But their toppings bar is legit. Like it's yeah. got guacamole and the cheese sauce and sour cream and all the uh, like fajita vegetables, like the onions and the peppers. And they do. I'm actually pretty impressed with how much they include on their toppings bar. Yeah, uh, the former toppings bar was the legendary toppings bar with the melted cheese 
the nacho cheese, which unsavory people in the past have brought their own food in and put melted cheese on from lunch boxes. Not going to say any of those names, but no. uh, one of them has been on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, has been. <laughs> All right, number uh, 13. You know, in the Bible, there's a story about a woman named Ruth. And uh, she has a, a mother-in-law who goes through a very hard time. Her, her husband die, her children die. And she changes her name from Naomi to Mara because it means bitter. But that is not described this place that we are about to, to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that introduction is amazing. <laughs> Uh, so the Mara at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge is not bitter. Um, That's right. It is yeah. wonderful. And uh, it is a little, it is, it's more like a food market than it is like a, a restaurant. Um, or at least like a cafeteria kind of style. No, they have, uh, well, yeah, kind of, but they, they do made, make to order, made to order. Yeah. Okay. It's but you can also resort food court thing. Yeah, yeah, you can get the stuff out of the cases as well, you know, and just, you know, if you need a if you need a $12 bottle of Bud Light, you can get that there too. But well, but, uh, but that's every deluxe quick service restaurant. They have the made to order, but then they also have like the sandwiches, the desserts and the coolers. Yeah, but the highlight of the Mara is of course the zebra domes which you've talked about here. True. Um but also there you can get as Derek said the made to order and I'm Blanking right off the top of my head. What is it? What is is there pizza there? I think there's pizza made to order. Pizza. I've had a flatbread there that was really really good. Um, what is the? Uh, uh, I think one time I had the Bobodi that's on the, uh, um, the Boma buffet. I think they had it there. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've seen salmon there, roasted chicken, really good looking things. It's also a fun place just to kind of relax. And uh, enjoy yeah. Animal Kingdom Lodge if you don't want to sit up in the Victoria Falls Lounge. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of seating, which is kind of rare for some of these deluxe quick service. Yeah, in fact, I think I, I found myself there with both of you at the end of the night before, I believe. We just found ourselves there. Well, here we are <laughs> in the Mara. Uh, it means river, by the way, in oh. Swahili, I think. You know, in the Indiana Jones attraction in Disneyland, you're not supposed to look into the eye of Mara. That's right. Wow, and 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 in in the movie um, uh, Matilda, it's played by Mara Wilson. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, I like this place a lot. I remember I was with my parents in Animal Kingdom, and we were at the mercy of the buses. So I said, we're, we're going to grab somewhere to eat. Let's just, whatever the first bus is, let's hop on it. And obviously it was Animal Kingdom Lodge because that's next door. And so we went there and we all really enjoyed our meal. And it was probably one of my favorite counter service we had that week. So anyway, moving on now to number 12. Jeremy, I believe, is the only one who put this on his list. But it almost made mine. It really did. It's the Yorkshire County Fish and Chips. And it's just the walk-up window at the UK Pavilion. Uh, as far as I know, they only sell fish and chips. But if someone wants to look that up and tell me otherwise, that would be fine too. 
But if if you want fish and chips, this is the place to go because the fish is so good and the chips are so good. And it really just satisfies that craving exactly as you would want a UK fish and chip stand to do. Yeah, but and then there's also something that makes the makes the fish and chips taste better when you can walk down by the water uh, where the tables are and just kind of eat there right on uh, the World Showcase Lagoon. It's wonderful. And yes, I mean, there's there's nothing exceptionally special about these. It's just that they they taste good. I'm looking at the menu and they do indeed only sell fish and chips and a Victoria sponge cake. Wow. Yeah, you're right. And assorted fountain beverages. You can get a coffee there. You could get <laughs> Twining's tea <laughs> and a, a couple of ales and, and lagers as well. And that is why it made our list of yes. best yeah. restaurants. It's, I mean, again, counter service in the World Showcase, you have lots of different options. But who doesn't love, well, I shouldn't say who doesn't because I know lots of people, but fish and chips in the UK, come on, come on. And chips means fries, in case you guys didn't know. (laughs) Also. (laughs) So it's not even potato chips. It's French fries. (laughs) It's not even potato. I love this. That's great. I learned that from our UK listeners. Joe and Matt, you know who you are. Woot woot. Oh, like you really just learned that like yesterday? No, I did know that, but they were teaching me some UK slang recently. And uh, I was chips. like, I know what I know the what chips, chips. means. <laughs> I won't tell you some of the other words they taught me though. Speaking of other words, <laughs> number eleven is the Kringla Bakery Og Cafe. And none of the words are spelled like you would expect them to be spelled. Yeah, no. Kringla, I always think of Chris Kringle. And uh, yeah, bakery, B A K E R I, bakery, bakery. <laughs> They're very generous with their K's in Norwegian. Yeah, they are. And Og. Um, and we've talked about this place many, many times. This is, of course, where you can find school bread, uh, the infamous, or I guess infamous means bad, right? So famous world showcase dessert. Um, also, lefse, which is that potato tortilla with <laughs> cinnamon, buttery sugar uh, filling. But they also have good food, too. And I always try to make sure we, we go and at least have one lunch or early lunch here. They have a ham sandwich that uh, typically uh, ham sandwich with some sort of cheese, like a Swiss. And there's like an apple chutney or an onion chutney and apples. Yeah. I've had this and... Uh... Sold on it. This is excellent. Yeah, and they ask, do you want it toasted or warmed or whatever? Say yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. I know. It's like like being at Subway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's an apple and ham sandwich with Jarlsberg and Munster cheese with a sweet apple chutney. Oh, it's so good. There's onion in the chutney. That's where I'm getting at. And it's delicious. Uh, also, the last time I think I went there, I actually did not get a sandwich. And they have some different sandwiches. They have some more normal american sandwiches that anybody would probably be comfortable eating if that's a little too out of your comfort zone. Last time I got, I don't know what they call the special there, but it, it was um, mashed potatoes and meatballs 
with uh, some, was it like linen, lindenberry jam? They do have a lingonberry mayonnaise on one of their sandwiches. What's the special I'm talking about? Do you see that? It was says two meatballs and it was mashed potatoes. And you also got some of the rice pudding, um, rice dream stuff as a dessert. And it was only like six bucks. Now, on, unfortunately, on their menu currently, it's just sandwiches and one salad. Well, they've recently renovated and expanded, right? So I think that, well, maybe their menu changed a little. But they do have really good food. And the sweet pretzels are great, too. They have several different varieties of sweet pretzels, uh, one of which our very own Mad Chatter Derek has uh, duplicated successfully. <laughs> in I tried the sweet almond pretzel. Yeah. It's a wonderful place, not just to get a snack, but to actually get a decent uh, light but delicious lunch. Yeah, I agree. Number 10, the Tangerine Cafe. Now, honestly, I don't believe I've been to this place, if I'm being honest. Yes, you have. Have I? Where do you you not, where do you go to get, did you get your baklava at the... uh, at the food cart. No, you're right. I have been to this place then. Yes. Uh, this is in Morocco. It is the quick service restaurant there that is across the walkway from the uh, Salt Road. No, Spice Road. <laughs> Spice Road table. <laughs> salt Road. It's been snowing a lot in Morocco. Uh, yes, I have gotten baklava there, but that is the only thing I've gotten there. Um, however, there's lots of other options available yeah the shawarma platter that's what i've gotten good stuff do they have the goat cheese there oh that was marrakesh oh gosh i wish they did i would totally just order the goat cheese thing if they had it yeah oh i do love shawarma though that is mm. and they also have a falafel wrap i'm just saying which i was telling derek before we started recording i have been on a falafel kick lately and 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 it's generous portions too like they give you a plate full of the chicken and the lamb and the Moroccan bread and the couscous. Not a lot of seating there. As I recall, there might be six tables inside. I don't think you, you don't want to sit in there. There's too many people. You go out well, and sit by the fountain. Well, there's also a little back room around the corner. I've sat back there before. Hmm. It's such a place where you feel like you would get your food in go somewhere else so there's often seating available it's just a yeah it's kind of a cramped location yeah but it's good that's three uh world showcase restaurants in a row but those are our only three so there you go how interesting kringla or excuse me yorkshire county fish and chips kringla bakery and tangerine cafe are numbers 12 11 and 10 so i guess those are our most highly recommended world showcase quick service restaurants uh, number nine on our list, not in Epcot at all. And I think this was Jeremy's number one. It was. I'm surprised it's at number nine. But it didn't make my list or Matt's at all. That's because you all don't have good taste. Listen, <laughs> I'm okay with it being on the list because I love the interior at this restaurant. And I do have a sort of nostalgic attachment to it since I think it was our first quick service restaurant ever yeah for jeremy and me so i get it i and i love the lighthouse sandwich which is their vegetarian sandwich which has the good crunch to it i don't even remember what's in it but it's on the wheat bread 
It's like hummus with like a carrot. It's so good. Yes, I love that. But I will say, like the last three times I've been, my lobster roll was very meh. The shrimp mac and cheese was kind of gross. Um, and it's just kind of like Long John Silver's to me, but maybe not as greasy. So that's why I did make my list. Um, but it's definitely high up there on Magic Kingdom, on my Magic Kingdom list. I don't know <laughs> if that's saying much because all the restaurants there are kind of bad, but. It has its own thing going. I mean, the food has never been that great. I think even when I took y'all, I was like, it's not that great. But there's always a lot of space because there's a bottom level and a top level and it's just such a neat place. It's worth going to just for that. I don't think I've ever even gotten fish and chips here. See, the fish and chip, the fish and chips I actually do like. Uh, I don't think they're outstanding or will change your world, but I do like the fish and chips and I like the lighthouse sandwich. I just need to learn to stick to those menu items because I keep branching out and I'm disappointed. I typically get the lobster roll, and uh, the past couple times, I can't remember what I've gotten. I think I just got, like, the shrimp and then some clam chowder. The clam chowder is really good. Oh, yeah, that is good. You're right, especially if it's, like, a rainy day. Yeah. The only time I've ever been disappointed here was when I got the $5 Jack Skellington cake pop thing that was there. That's your own fault. (laughs) <laughs> that's true uh but yes the lighthouse sandwich always thrills me every time i'm there it's so like good and as derek said it has that crunch and it just tastes wonderful to me and then it always is filling too and that's hard for me sometimes with vegetarian options to feel like i'm full and satisfied yeah i agree with that completely number eight is the is is it our first resort no we went to the mara we have been to the Mara Animal Kingdom. It's a moderate resort food court. The Riverside Mill at uh, Port Orleans Riverside. Something I've talked repeatedly about on the I'm the only one that had this on the list. Yes, but I will say I ate here for the first time like two weeks ago. Loved Me it. too. I was with him. I don't really... Um, I know this, this kind of defeats the purpose, but for one, this one is one that I don't remember any of the food. I just love that place. <laughs> no, I, I understand. I love the vibe in there with the water wheel. Yeah. They had good food, though. If I remember right, there was like a um, a, a chicken thing. No, nope. No, they really did have good food. In fact, this almost made my list. This had to have been number 11 or 12, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, it, it's sort of like the food court type situation, but... Almost every window I went to had two or three options that sounded delicious. Like they had a hot turkey breast sandwich. I got the chicken salad sandwich, which was packed with chicken salad. Um, they had a few hot flatbreads that looked good. Yeah. I just love, well, I love the water wheel and um, just that. And for me, there's a lot of nostalgia here because this is where I stayed a lot when we went when I was little. And uh, just going in there was like, you know, happy because it was the probably the first part of the day and there's just something uh, joyful about it yeah i'll give it to you because we stayed at coronado springs around christmas time and i would not go out of my way ever to eat there or visit there really uh but port orleans absolutely and that's because there's so many other things to do there you know go see yeehaw bob go play trivia go walk around the water like it's just a beautiful resort and the food court fits perfectly 
I got Agreed. the carved Cajun chicken, excuse me, carved Cajun turkey club. Um, it was good. Didn't really see what made it Cajun, but it was good. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember you saying that now. Yeah. It was just like a turkey club sandwich. I'm like, I think this is supposed to be spicy. Maybe. I don't know. But it was good. Uh, you know, the Bible say, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, our next one is um, number seven, the Sunshine Seasons food area at the Land Pavilion in Epcot. This is a place we've all eaten. Um, and in fact, I really enjoy this place, even though it's not really on my radar as far as when I'm in Epcot. Oh, it is for me, for sure. Really? I always forget that it kind of exists. No, and I, I tell you, it is on my radar ever since I ordered the salmon with cheese grits there. Maybe the best counter service meal I've ever had at a Disney park. Like, I still remember how delicious that thing was. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a lot of variety, a lot of options there. I lament the loss of the original Sunshine Seasons. And that delicious barbecue chicken sandwich. Old school Disney folks know where, where the real action is. Sunshine season, it's all right. It's just okay. There's a lot of choices. I find myself taking people there when I know I need to provide them with something normal and with a lot of choices because they can go and pick out. It's not burgers and fries by any means, but there are lots of options. That's what I'm saying for kids and such. Yeah, I actually feel like it's pretty exotic. They have the they usually have like the Mexican type station and then this almost sort of Indian Middle Eastern station. Exotic in like a shopping mall way, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've just, I've just really enjoyed all the meals I've had there. I wouldn't order anything just anything on the menu, but the things I've ordered have been good. My tip is always they have the you know, you fill your own drinks. Um, and so I always go around the outside and fill up a large cup with water and then just leave and drink that water for a while because you don't have to pay for water. That is a, that is a great tip. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you don't have to bother someone and say, hey, can I just have a water, please? And they give you the tiny cup. You just go help yourself and walk out. Uh-huh. Only water, though. Only water. All right, moving on now to number six on our list, Harambe Market in Animal Kingdom. This is one of the newer restaurants we're going to talk about, but it's the outdoor market uh, with two or three different windows. I think they all sell the same thing. They do. So don't let the line fool you because they have like six windows open, but they only have one queue now. So just kind of you get in that line and it looks intimidating and you're going to be there forever, but it moves pretty quickly. Yeah, I love the atmosphere here. Like, the details are incredible. The great signage that we've talked about. Um, the, there's that live musician that walks around. I will say, though, the menu has changed the last few times I've been. And my favorite item was taken off. I used to love the chick- chicken tikka masala. And it's gone. So I, I, I can't... What's the word? Vouch for anything on the menu because I haven't had anything that they currently sell. That great African dish, tikka masala. Uh, what was the thing I had? It was like a, is there something that was in a flatbread type roll up, a beefy thing of some sort? They have a beef and lamb gyro. Maybe that's what I've gotten. I've gotten several things. I got the curry 
the curry corn dog, curry sausage thing before. Uh huh. Served open faced on non bread with a curry ketchup onion relish. No, this was like an actual corn dog. Yeah, they don't sell that anymore. Oh, well, shoot. I'll take this off my list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, everything still sounds good, but it, it's not as big of a variety as it used to be. Yeah, that's that's a shame. I, I did enjoy the things I had here. I even like the jicama slaw they had that not a lot of people seem to enjoy. And there's like a black-eyed pea salad or something like that that was really delicious, too. They also used to have that really good vegetarian option, which they don't have anymore, unfortunately. It was like so we the, don't actually know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I need to go back there because I feel like it still has to be good because it was good quality food. I just, like I said, the variety. Here's what their menu has currently. Ribs bowl, which is ribs on cilantro rice and salad greens. Chicken bowl, which is the same thing but with chicken. A chicken gyro or a beef and lamb gyro, which, of course, is served on non-bread with cucumber and tomato salad and tzatziki sauce. And it's got the African coleslaw. Is that what you're talking about? Maybe. Yeah. And then they've got the pork sausage served open-faced on non-bread with curry ketchup onion relish. And then a roasted vegetable bowl, which is the same thing as the chicken and ribs bowl, but with vegetables. Used to, you could order everything at all the windows. I understand that. But there was like four distinct, seemingly distinct menus Mm -hmm. for the different windows. There was the sausage window. That's where they had the curry corn corn dog. And then they had some other things. They really had some Colby ribs, like some really nice, probably like Asian flavored, ginormous ribs. I don't know. That might be the rib bowl. I don't know. But. It sounds like they dumbed it down a little. I did have one of their desserts back in December, and the desserts are still outstanding. It was like a coconut chocolate-covered dome type thing. That would be the safari cake. Safari cake, that was it? Coconut cake with a pineapple coconut mousse encoded in chocolate. You know what it was that I had was that milk tart that people were going on about when it first opened. Yes! I don't think they have that That anymore, do they? No, they switch out their desserts pretty regularly regularly for, like, exotic, specially made desserts. Next on our list, number five, is the only one from Disney Springs, right? Oh, yeah. True. Uh, the only one from Disney Springs, um, and it's, it's a fairly newer one, it's Deluxe Burger, which we have talked about before on the show. And I would put this on the list. Listen, if for nothing else but that curry ketchup dipping sauce that you can get. And sometimes if you order like two dipping sauces, they'll just give you all of them. And that's great, too. I don't like all of them. The garlic ranch and the curry ketchup are my two favorite. But that curry ketchup is where it's at. I mean, the burger can be just okay. And the curry ketchup would make it. Well, you know, now the sauces are serve yourself. So you can get all of them. Oh, that's pretty (laughs) awesome. Yeah. I got to say, the reason I put this on my list is because theme parks are known for burgers. You know, you go to Six Flags and you're going to get a burger and fries at pretty much any place you go to. Same with Disney. Like, there are a lot of burgers like the aforementioned Restaurantosaurus. But this, every burger I've had here has been a good burger. Just like the beef, the quality of the beef is good. All of the toppings work so well together. I think I've tried at least four different burgers on their menu. 
I have two, and the only one that I like, like, like the others were good. I would not say they're anything exceptional, but the one that I do like was that the Southern burger with the pimento cheese on it. And honestly, if not for the pimento cheese, I wouldn't think it was that great. And I've had the chicken sandwich or something like that there, there too before. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's good quality. It's just not like, what was the one I got that had like, had jalapenos on it and some other stuff, a Diablo burger? Is that a thing? Yes. Yeah, you're right. And it was just like, I expected more spice and more kick and it was kind of boring. But that, uh, that Southern burger with pimento cheese is awesome. Yeah, the Southern burger also has the fried green tomato on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it's pricey. Like, especially if you order fries, I do think it's overpriced. That is one bad thing I can say about it. But you can share the fries, right? Like, usually enough comes that it's... No, they say you are not allowed to share these. If we see you sharing them, we will take them back. That is not true. Stop it. <laughs> I, meant the, I meant the portion size. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep bunghole <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely and that's what i usually do i say someone share these with me because i don't want to pay 18 dollars for my burger and fries friends 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 okay uh number four is the contempo cafe over at the contemporary resort and this is a place that i've eaten at with both of you actually now i think about it i had breakfast there with matthew and i had late night dinners there with uh derek that's right this was my number one this is my number one pick, Tempo Cafe. I love that it's all made to order. I've, I love that they're always switching out their menu, introducing new things. I had a flatbread that's really good. I had a sandwich that was really good. Um, I had some other hot dish that I can't remember. But the reason this, for me, is above the other deluxe resort restaurants, their desserts are outstanding. They always have such unique desserts under their little pastry counter. They have this peanut butter pie that's amazing. And they had this birthday cake thing that I got last time I was there that was so good. And they have the big old cupcakes with the monorail sticking out of them. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just go there for a dessert. In fact, I've done that at least five times, probably. It's a great place just to hang out. That too, because it's never that crowded. And you get to see the monorail going by... Well, I think a lot of people think it's connected to Chef Mickey's, so they kind of stay away. It's not, though. It's not. And there's actually a bar on the other side if you want to drink. Oh, yeah. What's that lounge called? Outer Rim, I think. Outer Rim Lounge. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I've, I'm the only one talking. Do, do you guys not like this one? No, I do. I think the only item I've had there was the buffalo chicken sandwich. And I don't think it's on the menu anymore, which you said they're always changing the menu, and that's great and fabulous, but I can't really talk about any of the other things because I have not had them. But I will say that when I've seen other food come out to uh, people bring out, like meat, they had meatloaf on the menu for a while, or spaghetti, I think, it all looked really good. And uh, I, I would say that even the buffalo chicken sandwich was pretty high quality to be what it was, and a, a quick service, counter service option. Now, I thought you had come here and gotten the hot turkey sandwich that had, like, the apples on it. You know, I did get that one time that you say that. Or maybe I just tried yours. Or maybe I tried Jessica's. I think it was Jessica's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, currently on the menu, they have a smokehouse burger that has smoked bacon marmalade on it. Marmalade. 
I say marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, channeling my inner Moulin Rouge. <laughs> yeah. He's been going to the uh, Jeremy School of Speaking. Uh, they have a spicy chicken sandwich that has chipotle remoulade. That is lod, right? Remoulade. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They change it up on you. Uh, uh, it says leaf lettuce as opposed to the non-leaf lettuce. <laughs> the root lettuce. They do have the hot turkey sandwich with cranberry aioli. Aioli, goodness. Aioli and white cheddar. So yeah, I mean, it's good stuff. And their desserts are so good. They have lots of flatbreads. I wish people would just call them pizzas. Flatbread sounds so dainty. I think I avoid getting flatbreads because I feel like I'm going to still be hungry after I eat them. Let me defend them because I said flatbread, but it's listed on their menu as pizza. Oh, see, that makes all the difference in the world. I know. It's got crispy chicken, barbecue sauce, caramelized onions, and apple slaw. Yeah, that sounds great. Tonya, Contempo Cafe. If it's a super busy day in Magic Kingdom and you have a big group and you don't want to deal with the stress of trying to find a table at Columbia Harbor House or Pecos Bills, just go hop on the monorail or walk to Contempo Cafe, enjoy an hour away from the crowds with really good made to order food, and then go right back into the chaos. <laughs> But that brings us to number three on our list, back over at Animal Kingdom. Who put this one on their list? I know I did. I did. I okay. think I did as well. Oh, okay. That's why it's number three. That makes sense. Uh, Flame Tree Barbecue. Genuinely love everything I've gotten here. Yeah. And the seating is fantastic. I love meandering down there. It's like a little maze all the way down to the water. You get the great view of Expedition Everest. Just good barbecue. Good ribs. Good sides. Yeah, yeah it's good beans. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little pricey, but you're getting good, uh, good quality and good portions for what you're paying for. So, for instance, like the half chicken that's served with baked beans and coleslaw... Like, it's legit like a half chicken. Like, it's a lot of lot of meat. Yeah, I don't know if I've had the chicken. I've had the ribs. The, the pork sandwich was just okay, but that's my fault for ordering that the safest thing on the menu. But the ribs and the ribs, I remember being really good. Those baked beans, though, and I'm not like a person that says that. Those are really good baked beans. But those were really good baked beans. <laughs> they have a smokehouse chicken salad. I love chicken salad. I need to try that sometime. Um, they also, so you know the little kiosk throughout Animal Kingdom? Um, just little walk-up windows. And they each have two or three signature items in them. There was yeah. one that had a baked macaroni and cheese in like a little ramekin dish, basically. And it was topped with pulled pork. I just noticed they've moved it to Flame Tree Barbecue. And now you can make it your entree. Baked macaroni and cheese topped with smoked pulled pork, onion rings, and coleslaw. It was delicious. Oh, you liked it then? I haven't had it. I just know that the pulled pork sandwich is was a little eh. Because it was more like that cafeteria orange barbecue. Uh, well, it wasn't really the pulled pork that made it stand out to me. The baked macaroni and cheese. Like, it was the oh, creamy well, fix kind anything. of... Oh, gosh, it's so good. I do love a baked macaroni and cheese. Oh. Yeah. I love a macaroni and cheese. 
<laughs> this is our third quick service from Animal Kingdom. I'm telling you, best park in the country. That's official? That is official because we got another one coming up here at number two. We sure do. Yeah, this must have been on y'all's list. Yeah, I think it was my number two. Or number three. Uh, number two is the Satu Lee Canteen at uh, in Pandora. Pandora. Pandora, the world of Avatar at Animal Kingdom. And I have to say, the food is good here. It just didn't make my list. And I, I think part of mine, and forgive me again for focusing on theming and things, uh, it, it suffers from the same pretentiousness as does the attraction signs. Because you walk into this wonderful, big, like, hut-type atmosphere, a la Pandora, and then the 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 gist of the thing is that that what's the agency called that tried to take over and mine well whoever it is the bad mining people that were blowing up things and and threatening the blue people uh it's like mixed in as is all the whole thing so you you go from this wonderful big naturalistic uh hut type lodge feel into like the bunkers and you have like trays like you're in a military canteen, hence the name of the place. The food is great. And I've had the chicken bowl and I've had the pork. Is there a pork bowl? Mm, there's beef, chicken and shrimp. Well, I guess I've just had chicken and chicken. <laughs> but it was good. And I think both times I had it on. Um, is there brown rice? Uh, there's rice or potato hash, which I always get. Or the greens. I don't think I don't think I've done the potato hash. Both times rice. What I like is those little those little boba's bubbles they put on it. Mm-hmm. That you know you could go to like Sweet Frog and get like the strawberry or mango bubbles to go on there. But these are like savory garlic bubbles. <laughs> They're delicious. Uh, it's a it's a good place. It's the only counter service restaurant in Disney World I can think of that uses real dishes. They do do that. Yeah. It also has that really good cheesecake, which I enjoy. Ah, yeah, that's right. I have not tried the cheesecake. Like, if I come here, I'm only ever going to get the bowls. And I know there's some variety because you can choose potato hash or rice. You can choose chicken or shrimp and which sauce you want. Like, they've got the garlic herb sauce or the chimichurri sauce. So there is some variety, but not a ton. Like, I'm always going to get one of the bowls. That being said, it is so satisfying and fulfilling those bowls are so good to me i agree i love it i love this place um i like you guys get always get the bowls as well i do i feel like i switch it up but maybe i just don't remember what i got previously and i get the same thing but i always get that cheesecake at the end too and it's just enough where i'm always like oh i wish that was bigger but once i eat it i'm like that was just enough very good i like the uh how do you say it again? Salt Lake a City? Is that how you say it? <laughs> <laughs> and number one, is it me? Yeah, bring us home. I'm going to do it. Uh, number one is Captain Cook's, which is at the Polynesian Village Resort. I would give my stamp to that as number one. If I was just telling somebody, like, good quality counter service food. And this is so my type of food. Like, I'm afraid it's my number... It was my number two, but I'm totally okay with it being number one. I think it's because 
partly I just love this type of food, like pulled pork sandwiches, uh, the pulled pork nachos. Uh, that's on, where it is. That's uh, all I've ever gotten, and it's it's worth putting at number one. It's amazing. Like the kettle chips with the pulled pork and then the pineapple salsa and the cheese sauce, like all of it is so good. And it's such a good price. That's like eight ninety nine. Yeah. When you go good. to Columbia Harbor House, you get the chicken and fries for like fifteen ninety nine. And this is made to order. Like it's just insane to me that it's such a good bargain. Sometimes I've gone and just gotten the chicken fried rice as my entree, which I think is $7.99. It's super filling and good. Oh, I'm so excited about this place. I get so excited about it when we talk about it because I want more people to go and try it because it's legit good. They also have the um, uh, the, the, the Tonga toast for breakfast, correct? Yes, yeah. that's true. Good call. That's actually the first time I ever went there was just for breakfast to have that. Good call. I forgot about that. Oh, thank you. I haven't been there for breakfast in years. Um, let me read the menu. Thai coconut meatballs served over rice. The pulled pork nachos, I'm sorry, they used to be $8.99. They're $9.29 now. The pork fried rice, $8.99. Pan-Asian noodles and vegetables with chicken uh, or shrimp. And then the pulled pork sandwich on a brioche bun. All of that's less than $11. That's a bargain. They used to have some kind of sandwich with... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they have a whole sandwich section. A cheeseburger, a burger, uh, chicken wings, turkey club melt, and then some flatbreads, too. I feel like they had some kind of chicken sandwich or something that had a Hawaiian flair to it. And I remember ordering it. I wasn't blown away by it, but those pulled pork nachos, I mean, that's worth... That single dish puts this on number at number one for me so you know you go there go get the nachos enjoy it and then go over to trader sam's and enjoy um some of the uh the festivities and and beverages over there that's a that's an evening yep can't argue with that all right well there are our top 15 counter service restaurants and yeah like i said earlier i can look back at that list and be like yeah i would recommend just about all those to people yeah so there you go um, listeners, if you have some that we forgot or that we need to try, be sure to let us know. You can find us at Mad Chatters on Instagram and Twitter, and you can always send those emails to comments at madchatters.net. Matt, it was great to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a friend. Bum, 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 do, 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 do. <laughs> and thank you everyone for sending me the, uh, the links to the Golden Girls crew, uh, cruise. Yes, oh, because God. I, yeah. I've gotten about 120 of them, and I appreciate the love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, listeners, don't forget we're giving away that Funko Pop. So get on the Twitter come Friday, or Facebook will be on there as well. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we will see you here in a couple weeks. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Um, bye-bye now. Charlotte Clark was the original seamstress that uh, first made
the Mickey and Minnie. Sorry, I dropped my binder. <laughs> <laughs> this game is a mess. <laughs> Let me try it again. 